honestly an E because <gasps> I forgot she was a hero. What? She I'm not sure if I would classify, but I forgot that she was a hero. <laughs> Wrong. S tier. Barbie is an S tier no. hero. Fairytopia. No. Greetings, travelers. Welcome back to Tales from the Enchanted Forest with your animal companions, Fox and Sparrow. Greetings, heroic travelers. Today, we have something a little different from our usual deep dive into a story and our five fantastic finds. If you've been listening to our previous episodes, you know that we've been covering some foundational heroes for the past couple months. Granted, we have omitted the Grecian and Roman heroes for the time being, but today we really wanted to wrap up our hero segment with some modern heroes. Before we get to the juicy stuff and our completely biased ranking system, we should probably define the two foundational hero categories created by Northrop Fry and Joseph Campbell. So to start, Fry was a literary critic and theorist, and he broke down heroes into five categories. The mythic hero, the romantic hero, the high mimetic hero, the low mimetic hero, and the ironic hero. The mythic hero belongs in a world and kind that is superior to our own. They are the heroes of gods and goddesses, the romantic hero is a marvelous hero that has all the aspects of adventure, idealization, and mystery that we crave in our heroes, but they belong in legends and folklore, like King Arthur. The high mimetic hero is a leader that has authority greater than the average Joe, but they often struggle with social criticism and order. Most of Shakespeare's heroes fall into this category. So these are often our tragic heroes, like Hamlet, Susan Cain, or Oedipus. The opposite of the high mimetic hero is the low mimetic hero that truly is just one of us. These heroes are average men and women. And last but not least, we have the ironic hero, where the character is inferior to the average man or woman due to some disadvantage. For example, Forrest Gump is the hero of his story, but he is disadvantaged compared to the average character, and yet he prevails. He probably prevails because he's being played by Tom Hanks and, you know, Tom Hanks is just a star. So, you know, <laughs> it's got a lot going for him right there. Yes. One aspect of our modern heroes is that their actors and actresses and storylines all make up a big deal. Whereas in folklore, we don't really need a lot of background. Just this guy's the hero of the story. It's incredible how... You can just hear a story like uh, we talked about Jack and the Beanstalk, like Jack from that story. I, he was my go-to example. He's there. Um, and you have an idea of who he is and stuff, and it's just this folklore character. But when you talk about just, say, Star-Lord from Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm not going, oh, yeah, this character, mythical character. I'm going, yeah, Chris Pratt, um, Marvel Cinematic Universe, Disney it's weird how our thought process on heroes and characters change with our climate on how things are presented. Yes. And then obviously we go through waves of heroes where during a certain generation, some heroes are bigger than others and then they fade away and new heroes take their place. So they kind of lose their timeless quality that a lot of the old folk heroes and legend hero legendary heroes have. So whether a story starts on a tablet or a piece of parchment from the Middle Ages, or if it starts on a big screen in modern day. Most literary criticism also points to our hero's need to go on a journey or plot-based arc of some kind. The hero can have a coming-of-age plot, a redemption arc, or a punitive arc where the good guy turns bad, to name a few of the different types. The hero's journey is seen largely in the work of Joseph Campbell, where the author explores the expansion of the hero's quest from its departure, initiation, and return. Like we mentioned before, our ranking system day is incredibly biased. We're going to talk about heroes that we're fans of. 
But to give some structure in terms of what we're kind of grading them on besides just personal bias, uh, we're going to look at their hero's journey uh, from the beginning to end. Do they meet the criteria of a hero's journey and how much do they stray from it? We're going to talk about if they meet some of our top tropes because we are a big fan of tropes here. So we want to talk about those a bit. General likability-ness of the character um, and their supporting cast, not only from our perspective, but also from general popularity in terms of what society has decided is a good character or not. And also, lastly, we want to look at the the OPness or like the power crawl they go through. Is it a good structure in terms of like how they develop their powers or just their abilities? Uh, so I think that about covers it. We are going to do it on the classic tier system. So S being our top, they're the cream of the crop. They set the standard what a hero should be. And at the very bottom, we have E and F. E being like, we forgot that they were essentially a hero technically and meet like some bare requirements, we suppose. But F is like, they actively harm what a hero is in a negative way, not just oh, they turned a villain, so they're not really a hero. But, like, I don't even know an example off the top of my head. But this is, like, it actively hurts what a hero is, essentially. So, yeah, without further ado, let's uh, begin. Fox, what hero should we start with? So I want to start with Aang and Korra. These two are the Avatar characters in Avatar Last Airbender and Legend of Korra television series, respectively. In their universe, they're supposed to be the most powerful bender because they can bend all four types as opposed to just the usual one type. So Aang, to start with, he is in The Last Airbender, and he goes through a three-season story arc where he needs to help resolve a hundred-year war, which started after he went missing from one of the air temples in order to kind of not escape his duty, but to kind of preserve his childhood a little bit longer and stay with his mentor. I think that he has a phenomenal hero's journey. We see him start kind of at the bottom of the barrel. He's always been powerful because he's always been an airbender prodigy, but he kind of starts as, you know, a 12-year-old boy. And he's in this world that's facing a massive war. The Fire Nation's taking over and colonizing huge parts of the world. They've completely annihilated the air temples and the airbenders. And now they're going after the waterbenders and the earthbenders. So his journey isn't just about, you know, one event or one item. It's about saving his entire world. And as opposed to some heroes where they do, because he does refuse the call initially, but where there are other people that can do the job they do, Aang is from the very start the airbender. He doesn't get, you know, accidentally stumbles across the power. He doesn't accidentally, you know, discover it. He's always known that he's the air, he's the avatar. And then... Yeah, I kept calling him the airbender. <laughs> yeah, the airbender. Well, the reason why I call him the airbender is because he's the only airbender left. In Technically in the show, it's still very accurate, yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, in the last airbender, he is the airbender. He is like the only airbender and the avatar, so it's both. But more probably, he is the avatar, yeah. Yes, but I think that his hero's journey is phenomenal. I think his character arc, where he stays true to himself in the end, and he really struggles with his own kind of ethics and mortality and morality as well and he's just has to come to a conclusion at the end of is he going to kill the bad guy or is he going to find another way to win and as a child watching him you know not kill Ozai but instead take away his bending that was fantastic for me because he came to a conclusion all on his own and that's what makes him an S tier hero for me I don't know about you 
Well, there's other points to talk about with Aang. Mm-hmm. Like you said, he fits the criteria of the the hero's journey. He refuses the call initially, and the air nomads are wiped out. So he is just not able to return home until he completes this journey. So he checks all those boxes, and he is such a lovable character. I don't know anyone... I'm sure there are people out there who don't like him, but I don't mm-hmm. know anyone personally who doesn't like him. Some people I know are like miffed because he's such a child, but he, again, yeah. he is 12. Mm-hmm. So by criticism of him being a childlike, it's like, well, he is a child. So let's uh, let's be okay. Well, anyways, to each his own. He is very well liked and admired, I would say, for mm-hmm. for a hero, especially of that age. Kid heroes sometimes get a really bad rap, but he also has a great supporting cast. And not only do they just elevate him he elevates those around him as well it's a very much of a two-way thing he goes through moments where he's like i'm the avatar i have to do this on my own and everyone around him is like shut up let us help you until the end we're like no you have to do this on your own <laughs> yes. uh but he is constantly willing to learn and grow and yeah he's got dependable friends that really help him and he's willing to accept that help when it comes well, to go along with what you just said about his his team, a lot of heroes do tend to disappear within the greater team. So there are other characters within their team that kind of outshine them. And there are a lot of people that would argue, you know, that Zuko is a stronger character than Aang was, or, you know, even the villain, one of the villains, Azula was stronger than he was and was better. But I think Aang is able to stand on his own. Mm-hmm. And some of the heroes that work in kind of a team dynamic tend to get lost in the team. And as a team, they're very strong, whereas all of the members of Team Avatar, respectively, are all strong in their own right, including Aang. So I think that in this case, having a team elevates him, like you said, and helps him as opposed to just, you know, maybe he gets lost in it or that he's no longer really just the hero of the story. He's part of a heroic group. Yeah, so I think you are very right. I would agree with you that he is an S-tier hero. The thing I that you mentioned at the start and what I think really cements him as S tier for me and this is something I appreciate my heroes is that right till the very end everyone's telling him he has to kill Ozai mm-hmm. and he's like okay I hear you but <laughs> he's like but I don't want what to. <laughs> if we didn't and he goes way out of his way like he talks to past avatars he talks mm-hmm. to everyone around him he talks to Zuko's like yeah you need to kill my dad and he's yeah. just like I don't want to kill your dad he goes so far and he pushes it to the wire but this is just who he is like he can't do that he knows what he has to do and he works so hard to find that solution that works for both and i admire that like yeah sure you can argue uh when the going to it's tough you have to do what you gotta do but i think that's what makes a hero a really great hero is when they're like yes but we will find a way that works and we will push through so yeah i agree i think he's s tier now on the other hand we have cora so Korra is from the spin-off series Legend of Korra and this takes place after Aang's death because there can only ever be one avatar at a time. Um, and Korra is the opposite of Aang in a lot of ways where he was very calm and he was willing to do things kind of rationally. He had more of a childness to him. Korra is just in a different stage in her life. She is a teenager when we meet her so she is more willing to get into people's faces, be confrontational. She's very sheltered in a way because they raise her in a kind of isolated space. So whereas Aang was able to travel and kind of do his hero's journey all together with the ending of his story, Korra has her training done before. 
the story really starts. So she has all of her training done and she's more of a firebender even though she was born a waterbender. Um, and she's very hot-headed in a way. And her story She's arcs, a teenager. Well, yeah, she's a teenager. But her story arcs <laughs> are a little bit different. And to be fair to the creators, Avatar Last Airbender was obviously a little bit better planned because they were able to plan for this the long run. Korra had lots of issues with, if was there going to be another season? Do they have to wrap up the story within one season? Were they going to get a third, fourth season? So it was very kind of within a season, there had to be a conflict and it had to get resolved. And the scale of her issues were a little bit larger. I mean, a war in the entire world is very large. But in this case, there's technology. Um, there's lots of different warring tribes. There's lots of different ideologies at play. So I think... Cora takes on a more emotional journey for me. She mm-hmm. is she starts off kind of this also bright-eyed, willing to get into a fight, kind of scrappy hero who wants to just fight and fix all the problems and she doesn't really care about the rules, but the world she's in is so different. You can't just, you know, fight someone on the street anymore. There are consequences. And I think it's really interesting to see more of like a steampunk fantasy world in hers. Yeah, she's in a world where the question's starting to be asked, like, do we need an avatar? Mm-hmm. Do we need one person who's all-powerful to run around and solve everyone's problems? She's more of a brawn over brains initially, and that's <laughs> where she starts out. But when you're talking about Korra's stories, they're dealing with, like, politics, mental health. They're dealing with, do I belong here? Some of those mm-hmm. concepts, while it's they're much more personal, and so it feels small-scale, they're actually bigger in my opinion and you need a lot more to really dig into them sometimes. Cora was fine and Cora could have done a lot better had she been given you know a three season arc right away or a four season arc and they really had time to kind of explore the technology explore a big bad as opposed to just lots of mini bosses. Honestly even a two season arc would have been great. You can still do a lot in two seasons but just being restricted to one every time and it just she got the short end of the stick is (laughs) all i'm gonna say but as a character i think she had her avatar gang was good um i really like the fact that asami soto didn't have a bet so she wasn't she was a non-bender like sokka so she had to use technology she had to use her wits she had to use kind of um the stuff that she grew up with, with her father being an inventor. So she had to do all of that stuff the same way Sokka did. And yet, I think I like the original team out. And this is the this is the crux of having kind of same universe heroes is that they're always going to be compared to each other. I mean, even in our life, we compare um, like the Grecian heroes against each other. We say Jason sucks or, you know, Hercules wasn't even that great. Perseus who? So, you know, I think it's the same thing we do in when we have an in-world kind of universe like with the MCU, we always compare our characters to each other. And I know they're standalone heroes, but they kind of give us a marker for what we really liked and what we really didn't like. So I think in terms of her journey, I wouldn't say it was the greatest journey. It was obviously very different. It was very emotional. Um, But I did find myself getting a bit bored at times. I mean, yeah, if you didn't like the story arc for that season, you were just kind of like, oh, okay. I didn't like I liked her side characters. I liked Varric. I liked uh, Mako and Bolin. But I could take them or lose them, really. Like, Bolin was really the standalone for me, and Varric was a standalone for me. But they don't really come into their own until the later seasons. So you have to keep waiting for something to happen. Um, Even with Korra, you have to kind of wait till the later seasons for her to really see that development pay off and she becomes more interesting. 
Yeah, and even like cultural, like lasting cultural impact. I see Aang because Aang, you know, the Avatar world is expanding even as we're talking about it. There's movies, there's TV shows, there's comics, there's animations coming out. So all of that exciting stuff. But in the, at the crux of it, I think, is Aang's story. And so we'll have to see if they give Korra another chance, another shot, or if they move on to another Avatar or another story. For me, she's not really S-tier because the comparison in-universe is with Aang, and I, I cannot give her, I, I won't put Korra on the same level as Aang, but she's still a very good hero, so I would give her an A because I think her journey is very important, and I liked her as a character, and I liked her tropes, but she's just not S-tier for me. See, I would put her in B. Honestly, even compared next to Aang, mm-hmm. it took me a long time for me to come around to liking her. Yeah. And I, again, I can't emphasize how much I did not care for her side characters. Like, they were fine. I'm sure I could have liked them if we fleshed them out better, but I just didn't get that. <laughs> and her power crawl is honestly not as great. By the end of the first season, she's she knows how to use every element and... She might still be developing airbending in the next season or two, and we're talking a lot more about mental barriers in the final couple seasons, but it's mm-hmm. it's like it's kind of all over the place in terms of yeah. what her powers and abilities are, and I get confused. <sighs> even as I'm saying this, I might even put her in a C or <laughs> I would say B or C. I say B. Like I, I'm willing to okay. go B. I think any lower than you kind of because her her the power power scale. And, you know, the OPness of her power compared to some other people we have on this list is huge. Like, she is a very True. strong avatar a lot of the time. She's very strong for, you know, who she is and what she does. So I think B is a good compromise. Okay, perfect. So that was Avatar, um, kind of that universe. So speaking of in-universe comparisons, we can't talk about modern heroes without touching on superheroes. Some of the greatest heroes from the MCU, from DC, from Sony... So we have all of these great kind of different heroes to talk about, but there are tons of podcasts out there. There are tons of resources out there to deep dive into these. We're going to do a rapid fire round instead. Just for the record, Fox, how familiar are you with Marvel heroes and DC heroes? Basically, I am familiar with the MCU cinematic universe and the DC cinematic universe, but anytime comics come up, I'm not very familiar with any of the comic verse, except when I'm trying to figure out why a specific persons in a movie or what's happening so i do the little bit of research but i don't know much about the actual comic books and just from my perspective also very familiar with the mcu uh i have watched probably a couple more dc films than you have but not a ton (laughs) i'm mostly familiar with dc stuff in terms of like animated shows that i have seen here and there which are pretty good honestly if you're going to consume dc that is my recommended way I do read some of the Marvel comics, but uh, not too heavy into it. So just a couple of like X-Men, Spider-Man, and Hawkeye uh, and Ms. Marvel comics here and there. Uh, So diving into it, these are our surface level thoughts on some of the heroes. There's a ton of them, so we're just going to have a short list and go rapid fire. Uh, So let's start with uh, Captain America. Captain America to me, wide-eyed, bright, beautiful hero, wants to do good, wants to save the world, and for that, I'm going to put him in A tier. <laughs> We're just going to drop him in A tier just like that. Well, I'm not a big fan of the bright-eyed, very optimistic heroes. I think they're very, almost like the goody-two-shoe heroes. I think there's always room for some kind of, not darkness, but some kind of internal struggle with heroes, and we do see that a bit with Steve Rogers, but 
he's just not the greatest MCU hero for me. I would agree he's not the greatest, and this is where we obviously differ in terms of our heroes. I enjoy a strong Paragon hero that's like, yes, this is what's right, and I'm going to go for it. I think it's fun, um, and I'm here for it. So, But yeah, Captain America, he, he goes through a very interesting journey, and I like how his journey, at least at this time, has come to an end. So I think he can sit comfortably in A, but if we're comparing to other characters, I might drop him down to a B, simply because he's a little too cookie cutter at times in terms of his power sets and um, interesting story beats. So A or B, what do you think? I would put him as A. Okay, we'll leave him in there. He is, he is kind of like the stereotypical hero. Okay, let's go to the other end. Let's talk about not his counterpart, but like the also fair do-gooder uh, from the DC side. Let's talk about Superman. Well, I'm going to go off of base of kind of like the cultural impact. And for that, again, Superman is kind of like the Captain America. But like, I guess the alien Captain America for me, like they're both kind of like those, the Wonder Boy type. Like they're just mm-hmm. the good, like they're the good guy. Like they're good. You can always count on Steve Rogers and Clark Kent to do the right thing or at least struggle to do the right thing. So for me, again, I'd put him on the same tier as Captain America. I'd say A as well, even though he is more powerful than Captain America is. So I would say maybe S for, no, I would say A. No, I can't, I can't put him as S tier. I think the only reason I wouldn't put Superman in S tier is because we still have not gotten a good Superman movie. In the comics, he's amazing and there's like a, Everyone kind of knows the general gist of him, but I feel like I have not seen him just done an iconic moment where everyone's like, yes, this is Superman. Because as simple as Superman is, he's very hard to do, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, And I think the thing that makes Superman great is he elevates everyone else around him to do better. So I think I'm really comfortable with putting him in A. Yeah. What about Batman? Batman and Superman for me are like very similar. So I would say A for Batman as well. Yeah. The Bats. Uh, yeah, he's a little too popular for me. I don't, I, but see, here's the thing. My favorite Batman is Lego Batman. He is by far the (laughs) Batman for me, so. Lego Batman is just making fun of every other Batman out there. And that's why I love him. Look, there's nothing really inherently wrong with Batman. He just never clicked for me, and I Hmm. appreciate him when he's part of the Justice League, because I think he adds a lot there, and I think he's probably fine. I just don't think I, I enjoy his solo stuff as much. I mean, I really liked the Batman Robin animated series. I think it was. That was fun. But for me, like, you can't get bigger than Batman and Superman as kind of those big yeah. heroes that you think of when you think of superheroes. But for me, they're just not, like, S-tier. They're great su- They're great superheroes. They have good story arcs. But I'm just going to say, you know, Batman Gotham City is full of crime. Batman's been there for a yep. couple years. Still full of crime. You kind of have to, you know... Crime is a limited quantity. You get the bad guy, the crime goes away. So I'm just kind of like, maybe Batman's part, like he's he's working with them to keep his enterprise going. <laughs> I can't remember the storyline, but there's one comic book storyline where the Joker, or I can't remember if he becomes sane or he thinks to himself, I think I could do Batman's job better. And he does. Like, so he goes out and does what essentially Batman does, but crime actually goes down and the rich stop becoming richer, and, like, the poor actually get, like, a better <laughs> life and everything. And it's just like, is Batman actually the bad guy in this scenario? Anyways, I love stuff like that. Well, you can't, you can't really win as a superhero, because if you only save one city, people are always going to be like, well, these other superheroes are out there saving the world. 
But if you're a world-saving superhero, then anytime anything happens around the world, people are like, where were you when this happened? Because if you're a superhero that saves the entire world, then you need to be at every single like minor. So I'm just like, you can't win. Either you're a minor, you're not a minor super, either you have kind of one city to defend or you defend the entire world and people will still find something to complain about, you know? Or you can do what we've been smaller in the city and save like a neighborhood, like our friendly neighborhood, Spider-Man. <laughs> How yes. about Spider-Man? Let's talk about him. I mean, he did go to space, so let's not pretend like he just has a range. But yes, Spider-Man. So Peter Parker, Miles Morales, who are we talking about? Let's focus on Peter Parker for mm -hmm. now. Miles Morales is excellent. But we're going to try and keep this list short today, and it's already quite long. So let's just focus on Peter Parker. One of the very first superheroes that I was acquainted with was Spider-Man. Mostly because he was in, uh, it was the animated Spider-Man shows, but also Tobey Maguire. We watched those movies over and over and over and over again. So that was kind of my big introduction to superheroes. It wasn't really Batman or Superman, because I think my brothers were more into that. Whereas Spider-Man, he was so awkward and just, he was young and he didn't really know what he was doing and he kept messing up. And so for me, I was like, this is perfect. This is the one I want. <laughs> You're the one I want, the one I want. Yeah, I was like, I don't want the perfect, you know, Sp Superman. I don't want like the really rich Batman. I want the guy whose door doesn't close properly and he can't afford rent. <laughs> Spider-Man is such a relatable hero and he is just, universally loved there's a reason he's got so many movies and unlike batman i know batman is probably i would say he's probably the second most popular carol after spider-man you can debate that if you like but <laughs> the thing i think spider-man just has for him is he has that young aspect to him that he really taps into the younger audiences of being like well that could be me and spider-man was the first teenage superhero mm -hmm. pretty much and I think that resonates with a lot of people, that awkward stage of just trying to figure out. And also, the world is always against him, yet he's always doing better. He's like, well, no one's going to thank me for this, but I know it's the right thing I to do. I'm going to go ahead and do it. So for me, Spider-Man is S tier. We're putting a lot of people up in these high tiers. We're going to need to have a bad one soon. <laughs> Don't worry. Well, once we get to uh, Luke Skywalker, I'm kidding. No! Um, but yeah, so Spider-Man for me, he's kind of like Aang in the same way that he's bright-eyed, but he's not perfect. Like, to me, Steve Rogers and Clark Kent, they're old enough that they have this kind of establishedness to them. Whereas Peter Parker is just this young guy trying to do the right thing, but he doesn't always know what the right thing is and he messes up. And for me, that's just, you can't beat that. And also cultural impact, I think so many people with every kind of actor that gets into the Peter Parker role. So we had Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland and whoever comes in the future, they just kind of bring their own character to it. I know the comics have lots of different people being Spider-Man, but for me, Peter Parker is just this really awkward kid who's trying to do right, and I think that cultural impact-wise, he has to be S-tier because he's just so relatable, and people don't knock him down as much, I think, because they understand that he's just trying his best. Switching gears from our superheroes, we are going to jump into some adult heroes from some fantasy series. Now, I want to start with someone who's really the hero because everyone else sucks and definitely aren't heroes in a story. And I'm talking about Jon Snow from Game of Thrones by G.R.R. Martin. And this isn't just the book, this is also the television series. So House of the Dragon is wrapping up, and that's also another kind of hotly contested story where there aren't really any heroes 
or bad guys. Everyone is kind of a hero and a bad guy. And Game of Thrones kind of had that same issue where we hated and liked everybody. Um, we can argue that, you know, Daenerys Targaryen was a hero, but then she went crazy. Arya Stark was a hero, but then she, you know, didn't really do much. And then she came back and did something. Jon Snow, however, is supposed to be, you know, the hero. He's the song of ice and fire Targaryen that's supposed to come and reunite everything. However, as a hero, in the television series at least, he doesn't really do much. I mean, I think this is one of those stories that's spread really thin because we follow so many different perspectives. So we spend a lot of time with Arya, with Rob, with the Lannisters, with the Targaryens, with everybody and anybody. So for that reason, and because I just don't like Jon Snow that much, I think he didn't have much of a backbone. I really wanted this kind of powerful moment where he did something, he stood for something. And while we had repeated moments where he did, you know, do stuff up on the wall and he did take a stand now and then and he fought the White Walkers, that big moment of glory for me never truly came. So for that reason, I would say he's a D-rank hero for now. Obviously, there's going to be a Jon Snow spinoff, so maybe, you know, he will be more heroic. But for me, Game of Thrones, even Ring of Springs of Power, these kind of high fantasy TV shows, they have the issue of when they try and follow too many perspectives and they try and create these really nuanced characters where everyone's a little bit good, everyone's a little bit bad, and sometimes they tend to lose who the heroes are. And that's fine because that's what they're going for. Um, and in doing so, they're creating these kind of new genres of heroes. But for me, Jon Snow doesn't really cut it. So uh, D for him. And D for all of the blacks and the greens from House of the Dragon as well even though I think they should be S tier because they're hilarious. For the record, I don't know James, uh, I don't know James of Thrones. <laughs> I don't know James I don't of know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I've never watched Game of Thrones. I've never read it. So I'm just trusting Fox on this one. Um, yeah, we can throw him into D, no problem. Yes. And we can't talk about Game of Thrones and Rings of Power without then segueing into The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. Da, da, da. But, so this is one of those stories that, again, many perspectives, many heroes. Um, mm -hmm. Instead of focusing on, you know, Legolas, Gimli, Aragorn, we're going to focus on the main heroes, Frodo and Sam. Frodo and Sam are such an iconic duo. Frodo has been gifted the one ring to bring to Mordor or, and has chosen that path, even though at first he was like, no, I don't want to do this. And then he realized, no, I, I have to do this. And Sam is the most uh, loyal friend you could ever ask for who sees Frodo doing this is like, no, no, I'm going to come and help you. Like, I'm your friend. Also, a wizard kind of threatened me to do it, but I also just really want to be here <laughs> with you. And he's with him till the very end. There's the iconic line from him saying, I may not be able to carry the ring, Mr. Frodo, but I can carry you. And he carries him the final steps to get to uh, Mount Doom. And mm -hmm. you can just see their care for one another. And they they're these characters that have no right being where they are and doing what they're doing this heroic quest but yet they're going on it and they're afraid but they're gonna do it together i love them so much <laughs> <laughs> they're great but i knock them down a little bit because frodo does run away from the rest of the fellowship that was a specifically assembled to protect him mm -hmm. so it doesn't feel like he's as much of a team player as i'd like so i would knock him down to at least an a what do you think so yeah so it's really hard to just say frodo 
is the hero on his own because there is a little bit where he does go off on his own but Frodo is almost nothing without Sam and the same way that if we were talking about mm-hmm. the spy kids Junie and Carmen they come as a pair and Sam and Frodo are just this iconic pair of heroes I couldn't give them S tier because I feel like even though they go through kind of an emotional development and they go on this crazy journey together and they face every single fear they never even knew they had mm-hmm. I think they're one of those where I I liked their story and I liked following their story but I much preferred the story of Legolas and Gimli and Aragorn so I liked following them and I really liked Pippin because uh. I feel like Pippin was my favorite hobbit I love Sam but I feel like because there were so many characters once again you had plenty to choose from so at the opposite of Game of Thrones where you had no one to choose from here you have almost too many people to choose from and they all live so there's no even like knocking them out because they died like you can in Game of Thrones so I think that Frodo and Sam are solid A tier they're really cool Mm -hmm. and the fact that they don't actually have magical powers they're not really great with swords they're not you know like these special people they just have you know Frodo just happened to inherit Bilbo's ring. Um, So all of that kind of combined. They were chosen ones, but compared to the rest, I feel like they weren't the most powerful. However, in terms of cultural impact, you can't put Frodo and Sam in B, C, D, I feel like. They're just... Lord of the Rings is an iconic trilogy. It's one of the greatest high fantasy series out there that stood the the test of time. So I think A is good. All right, slot in A. Okay, so we are starting to run out of time. Is there one more you want to talk about before we go to the lightning round, or should we just jump to the lightning round? So I feel like we can't really talk about young heroes or heroes without talking about Harry Potter by J.K. Rowling. All right. Harry Potter is a coming-of-age story about a boy wizard that follows the the titular character as he goes through the fictional school of Hogwarts. And... I know there's a lot of controversy surrounding Harry Potter as a whole, but for what it was and what it still is, is there's still a huge cultural impact. And Harry Potter is just one of many stories that people have been telling for ages, which is the story of a young hero that we get to grow with. So my personal favorite of these type of stories would be Percy Jackson, which follows more of the Greek myths and the Roman myths later on. But Harry Potter, when it was coming out, when people were just getting into it, it was so massive. The global impact it had was was humongous. So for me, cultural impact-wise, the story-wise, the side character-wise, I think that Harry Potter is a B kind of hero. I mean, he's very singular in his want to do the right thing, to defeat the Dark Lord. And he, you know, accomplishes it. But he has a whole cast of characters that help him that he allows to help him. And I mm-hmm. think that in general, he's a fine character. I mean, at no point was I like, oh my God, Harry, you're so like, there are some self-sacrificing moments where you're like, oh my God. And I think for me, I liked Hermione the most. So out of the three heroes that were presented with, I like her more. And I just can't put Harry on the same you know, ranking as, let's say, Aang or even Frodo and Sam. So for me, he's a B tier, maybe C tier, but his cultural impact makes him a B tier for me. And his hero's journey. Yeah, he is a fairly solid hero's journey, I'd say. Mm-hmm. His 
uh, it's incredible. They spend so much time at school, and they don't, in my opinion, spend enough time actually in classes where I get to, like, <laughs> hear what they're doing in classes. Side yeah. tangent. I love stories, any story that has to do with just weird school. Mm-hmm. So magical school, superhero school, like, uh, school from the dead, like, whatever it is. If it's a school thing, thing, but you just have a twist on it like that, I am immediately in and no story has done it to the point where I'm like, yes, you've done enough school stuff. Let's continue on with a bigger story. They always go on to like, let's save the world. I'm like, but what about herbology? Let's talk more <laughs> about magical study. Like, it's weird. So Sparrow doesn't want to spend much time with Harry Potter. She wants to go to his classes with him. And that's why Hermione resonates so much with me. I don't <laughs> want to go to my math class as a kid. I want to learn transfiguration and stuff, um, and that sounds way cooler. I don't know. It resonates with me on a deep level. So mm-hmm. the story I love, but Harry, he's iconic enough, and he does hit all of the right tropes at the right time and everything, but he, there's something about him that just kind of always holds him back from being a really great hero. Mm-hmm. So I think B is a very fine place to slot him in. All right, travelers, we would love to deep dive into so many more heroes like, you know, the Cortezes from Spy Kids, Katniss Everdeen, Freya Archron from the Court of Thorns and Roses series, but we are going to instead do a lightning round. So lightning round time. Let's start with Jacob Sully Ah, yes. from Avatar. I will give him a solid E because I don't remember him. <laughs> He is from not the Avatar Last Airbender. He is from the James Cameron Avatar cinematic universe, I think. Um, But I literally cannot tell you what the story is besides humans go to different planets and destroy it, which is quite generic. E for me. I think E is a very fine place, as I forgot him too. We we both didn't know until we looked it up. But I wanted to throw this in there in case, you know, the new Avatar movies are actually phenomenal and we can laugh at ourselves later if we were somehow foolish to forget who he was. In the meantime, he is very forgettable. Uh, next, let's talk about Junie and Carmen Cortez from the Spy Kids series. You mentioned them earlier. Yes. What do you think? So they were very iconic, I think, for maybe my generation, which, I mean, technically I'm Gen Z, so I don't really know what I'm talking about. But I think they were really big. The Spy Kids universe was kind of this huge thing. Everyone wanted to be a spy. Everyone wanted to, you know, just totally spies, Martin Mysteries, Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. That was a huge genre. Um, and I think Junior and Carmen Cortez took it to live action, and that was quite cool. But, again, their stories were interesting, but not enough that I think they're going to stand the, t- the test of time, really, and the cultural impact is already kind of dwindling. So I would put them in kind of maybe D category. They were really cool in that moment, but I think nostalgia helps a lot with that. So D. I also grew up with them and I have very strong nostalgia for them, but I have also recently rewatched it and was like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, Still love it because nostalgia goggles mm-hmm. and everything. But yes, D is probably, ugh, unfortunately, a more fitting place for them to be in. Speaking of childhood characters, we also have Ash Ketchum from the Pokemon series, and he is a forever 10-year-old spanning seven different seasons and 23 movies. I'm going to give him a C ranking. He's cool, but I don't think he really does much. Yeah, he just kind of stumbles upon things, happens mm-hmm. to be a chosen one in one or two of the movies, which is like, whatever. Um, <laughs> he dies once or twice, comes back. Um, I'd give him a C with an asterisk of if he ever actually 
grows up to be 11 or they they start a new series with someone else and he just gets to do his own thing and grow up i will make him a b but yeah see until that happens i mean it's so hard because the pokemon universe is massive and Ash is now, I think, more of a smaller portion of that universe, whereas people can play the games without ever having to know about Ash Ketchum, which is bizarre to me. But I think because of that, the C is is right there. By the way, if anyone is looking for a good Pokemon story but are dissatisfied with the show, read the manga. It is so <laughs> chaotic. I love it. But it follows a story where kids grow up. It's amazing. Okay, sorry. I have to interject now. For chaos, where would you place... Barbie in the Barbie cinematic universe, which is, I really want to talk about this because I need to know what you would give her. Honestly, an E because <gasps> I forgot she was a hero. What? She I'm not a sure hero. if I would classify, but I forgot that she was a hero. <laughs> Wrong. S tier. Barbie is an S tier no. hero. Fairy Topia, no. She's in the water. She's in the air. She's a princess. She's a beggar. She is, is it the same Barbie the doing all of these things? Yeah, like I honestly, like I'm not even kidding. I would give Barbie an S because I know, like I know because I've watched I've watched the movies again and the animation is horrible. But the one-liners they have, the hero's journeys she goes on, they are almost classic in terms of the story arcs. No. I'm okay. Sorry. I fight. do recall <laughs> I do recall like her movies being decent, like surprisingly decent, but Barbie is like different every time. It's not actually the same quote unquote character but it's Barbie, Barbie, right? As Rapunzel or Barbie so, as So we're nominating an actress, essentially, as a hero. Because essentially if she's Barbie as, then she's essentially an actress acting as if she was going through these things. You know what? See, right? You can have your MCU where there's tons of different characters. I will stick with my Barbie cinematic universe where she is every character. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Putting that aside, then, we straight up can't put her in S because, like, one, I forgot she was a hero, and I don't know how many people out there would argue she is a hero. We'll give her her own category. What? We'll just we'll put her off to the side. We'll say hero ranking and then put Barbie on the side. No, no, that's not how these tier rankings look. We got to decide where she's going to go. Okay. She's got to go. I'm willing to go down from S to maybe to B? B. Okay. B, she does have a significant cultural impact. Well, I think cultural impact, you can't get bigger than Barbie. But also, I think it's just such a timeless story that she has where it's usually her being oppressed in some way and then they modify it. So when I was younger, it was stories like fairy tales like Swan Lake and Rapunzel. And now it's things like Princess and the Popstar. So it's so versatile, this universe. And I just think that when you have stories like this that are, you know, you have a character like this that can be almost anything you want her to be. Like in The Christmas Carol where she is, I am spending a lot of time discussing Barbie now and I'm very hyped. But Okay, <laughs> yes. This needs to be addressed though. Holy I'm crap. Like, I'm so glad that we had a time limit and now we're diverted because I want to talk about Barbie. <laughs> Okay, but, like, what you're arguing for is that she is a great universe, which I'm not arguing against, but the tier system is hero. Yeah, but she's Tell a good me hero heroic in every story. She has a fantastic plot line. She's likable. She is... What's the plot line? Tell me the plot line to when she's one? the most heroic. You have to tell me. Okay, you, you're so the one defending Swan her. Lake, 
She is a baker's daughter named Odette, and she doesn't really go to the dances with her sisters, but, you know, she's the best dancer, and she's really pretty. And then she follows this unicorn to the enchanted forest, and the unicorn was trying to lead her there because the unicorn was trying to find someone to break their curse that was put onto them by this owlbird magician man. So she has to try and break the curse from Owlbird Magician Man, but before she can, he catches her and he turns her into a swan. So now she turns into a swan in the evenings, and oh, she's a girl by day. Or the opposite, I can't really remember. But she has to kind of overcome this, and she gets the help of the prince, and then she curses the evil bird man and his really screechy bird daughter. And she does this with the help of the fairy queen lady, who's also a unicorn or a pegasus of some kind and all the little fox creatures and the raccoon creatures and stuff. That's Swan Lake and Barbie and Rapunzel. Okay. She has been kidnapped. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I asked for one example. So, she's I mean, got I many stories. I give you movie. I, this was my childhood. No, I'm kidding. I mean, I listen, listen. <sighs> We've both established we love spy kids, and we know that they, they don't necessarily hold up, even though we love them dearly, but... Fine. I will give... Are we saying... Barbie is the same iconic hero-ness, not like she could have a better story in universe, but just hero-ness. Are you saying it's better than Harry Potter? Yes. No one likes Harry Potter anymore anyway. It's fine. Barbie is timeless. Okay. Who else is in B tier? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Don't know we don't have a time there. <laughs> we haven't been writing them down. Oh, no. Cora <laughs> uh, is B tier. Barbie could kick Cora's uh, ass. <laughs> what Sorry. version of her is the question? <laughs> I, I mean, Aang, I can almost see Aang just letting her win just because he's like, okay, this is weird. But Korra, absolutely not. No, she would be like, excuse me. Okay, fine. I'm willing to put Barbie down for her hero-ness. I will put her down to F tier. I will not, no, D tier, D tier. I will not go down. I was going to say, sorry. whoa. No, 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 sorry. I forgot, I, I forgot my letters. So I was like G E, not you know E F G. Anyway, I'll go down to D because she is a hero in my books, and I will not let you crush my childhood. We could put her in C if you want to. I'm not just uh, like we're just questioning the S really. Even though Barbie could kick John Snow's as well, we can put her down to. I mean to, that I do not doubt. <laughs> we can put her down to D tier. Because while I recognize that she's my hero, she's probably not everyone's hero. And also there's, you know, despite her cultural impact and everything, and how heated this conversation got over Barbie. <laughs> Wait until we get to cinematic universe ranking. She can be up there and yeah, you okay, will have perfect. much more to stand on. That's <laughs> it's just the one aspect we're discussing. Okay. Right there above the Star Wars cinematic universe. <laughs> Those are fighting words. I'm sorry. It's very fighting words. Speaking of Star Wars, though, I know we cover Luke Skywalker quite a bit in our Star Wars episode, but what do we think of Luke Skywalker? Luke Skywalker is like a simple dish well done. It's not complicated, but it's like to the best of its abilities of what you're getting from a simple dish. He is exactly what you want from a hero's journey. He is the template everyone shows you. I watched Star Wars in school because he is such a template when they were trying to explain the hero's journey mm -hmm. and i think he goes through a great arc is he the most interesting character on his team not necessarily but that's not doesn't bring him down like he is elevated by his teammates and his teammates elevate him and i think for that and his cultural impact uh i think he should be s but i could be talked into an a 
I because we we filmed this episode before once before and I think we got very so this time we got very heated about Barbie last time we got very heated about Luke Skywalker half the episode was what is Luke Skywalker yes uh so I personally and because this is a very biased ranking system I personally do not really like Luke Skywalker I thought he was very boring um I much preferred let's say Princess Leia or Han Solo even you know Chewbacca liked him but Luke Skywalker to me was way too bright-eyed for my liking. I know I really like the bright, bright-eyedness of Aang, which is just strange when I don't like the same <laughs> quality in a different character. But I think the difference is in the movies, Luke Skywalker, I just, I couldn't really connect with him. And I didn't really, I felt he was a bit too whiny for me. He was a bit too much. And so I would... I mean, I understand that he has a great cultural impact. He is, you know, he goes on the stereotypical hero's journey. He meets the entire checklist. But likability-wise, I just don't really like him compared to other characters. So I would give him A. I think everything else about him, like you mentioned, his tropes, the hero's journey, and just cultural impact are just overwhelmingly strong (laughs) to overpower just, like... Because, I mean, I can also agree. Like, he is kind of a whiny character when you first meet him. And so, like, that alone, if we're just ranking pure characters on how much we like them, he would be a lot lower for me. But I really appreciate him as a hero <laughs> um, and this iconic hero, which is why I think he needs to be up at either S or A. Um, but I'm happy with A if we put him, okay. want to put him there. A is good. All right, travelers, we have so many more heroes we want to get through, but we will just pop them onto a list and put them on the blog. So make sure you check out our website, dot. TellsMeEnchantForest.com, where there will be a full ranking. There will be lots of other characters from the Disney and Pixar movies, anime heroes, other blockbuster heroes, and so much more. So be sure to check that out, travelers. We will have lots more heroes on there and maybe some personal notes if we feel very strongly about one character or another. Stay tuned for next week when we have a special Halloween episode going up. So look forward to that. And in the meantime, remember, there's always a place for you in the Enchanted Forest. <laughs>